but it's all a lie, it ain't worth your life Lie to me anyway just a little bit longer The wool on my eyes is soft And I know the way it stings when it gets pulled off Could kamikaze the carbon copy I vibe with often If truth is what we doing, we could ruin a good thing By which I mean a lucrative influence of new thing A spilling liquor all over the name brand new thing A do lines off your titties while we in full view thing Do you really think you might still like me at night When the lights are off and ain't no party people in sight When the life is not for public consumption My eyes without the contacts and the same color as my skin Can we love black when the world don't can the mirror look back when i know i won't see the filter the fame of the drug haze of the chains i broke just to change my name and hang myself with cuban links <laughs> yeah i think not i prefer my drink on rocks my rock bottom still rock red bottom so do not talk your cock blocking my thought blocking and that ain't hot i ain't really trying to see what the game has made me just let me pretend that this me was always the same me i burn my history when i blaze they praise me because they all really love me when me go crazy what? Hello guys, welcome back to Noah's Corner Podcast, and we have two guests on who I am about to let on, so get ready. All right. Did it work? Yeah. Hello. Oh, there we go. Hi. Welcome Hi. to Noah's Corner Podcast. I'm Noah, and this is Nellie. I'm Nellie. <laughs> I'm Nellie and Noah. Hi. Hi. And then we have a little uh, special guest down here as well. <laughs> <laughs> Tame, I hope. Uh, something's going on with my computer here. Are we... Uh... Something's going on with my computer there. Okay, there we go. <laughs> How are okay. you? I'm good, Lee. We're good. That's good. So we actually, um, I things got crazy for both of us. Uh, Nellie's schedule has been quite busy, as has mine. So we didn't get a chance to write down our questions. So <laughs> we're just going to go with the flow, I guess. So, okay. if you guys would like to introduce yourselves, that would be amazing. Sure. I'm uh, Lee Slotoff. I am the original creator of MacGyver. I'm the producer and one of the co-writers of MacGyver the Musical. And I'm Peter Lurie. Uh, I am the person who wrote the songs for MacGyver the Musical. Uh, and I had a that along come um, writing songs and music for children's television so that's that's been a lot of my background and other sorts of composing but that was my main career so nice so now like frozen or frozen yeah um i don't know what's going on with my computer today <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh nelly would you like to start off with questions you might have yeah so what inspired you to take on the MacGyver kind of universe as a musical what did you think would transfer into the musical theater genre Lee looks frozen This is really a question for Lee, and he appears to be frozen at the moment. 
Um, Sorry. Hold on. Let me text him. Oh, he, he must have yeah. signed out, and he's going to sign back in. But I will let him answer that one. And how do you two know each other? Uh, we are... Nellie's my best friend. Oh, yes. great. Yeah. And I hope she says the same about you. I, I <laughs> hope so. Because if we're not best friends, <laughs> she knows too much about me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. You're very trusting. Um, <laughs> Leah's not... Oh, wait. He's texting me. Let's see what is going on. Okay. Stand by. <laughs> Seeing those infamous three dots. <laughs> so, where are you guys located? Uh, I'm located in Vermont. <laughs> I'm located. Oh, wow. Got the whole eastern seaboard. I'm in New York. So, <laughs> so uh, I hate so it here, though. The... Hate Vermont. Oh, really? It's. <clears throat> what do you hate about Vermont? Well, let's just say we have an extra season here. Uh, instead of yeah. we, we have this thing called mud season. Ah, yeah. I I, I almost slipped uh, in the mud and hurt myself today. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. It appears my inter. Oh, his his internet has gone down. Uh oh. Is there a way to connect by phone? If not, I'll just do it myself. Uh. Um. If there isn't, if it's not straightforward, uh, I there should be a way, but I could be wrong. You should be able to. You could be able to use cellular data. Yeah. I'm. Not yeah, but that's uh, that. I don't know if he's. Um, I don't know if he is. Yeah. I don't know if he has that capability or not. Uh, yeah. Um. If you don't know, obviously, I, I can probably answer most of the questions. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. Is that all right? Or, yeah, that's or, absolutely or, fine. Whatever works best. <laughs> Whatever okay. works. I if if we were on Zoom, I would be able to be like, yes, absolutely, there's a way. But okay. Oh wait, there he is. Oh, He's back. Oh, there Sorry we go. About that, <laughs> absolutely, uh, no worries. Lee, I I almost ran away with the whole show. You know? <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> My internet just stopped working. For some reason, so we understand that. Oh, All right, goodness. we're here now. So, ask ask uh, Lee your question. Okay. So my question was, what made you decide that the MacGyver story would be good to be transitioned into the world of musical theater? That's a great question. So, back when MacGyver was on the air, the original show, okay, television pretty much divided the household. By that, I mean. Dad liked to watch sports, mom liked to watch the dramas and soap operas, the kids liked to watch the comedies and the cartoons. People watched different things, and, you know, if they had the money, they had television sets in different rooms, and they didn't even talk to each other, okay? MacGyver, it turns out, was one of those shows that the whole family would watch together. Dad went, I want to see what this guy's going to come up with every week. Mom said, well, he's really cute, and he doesn't use a gun. And the kids went, wait, you're going to watch this show together and we can watch with you? And they went, sure. They went, wow, this is amazing. So so of all the MacGyver projects that I'm involved in, and there are many, we have a MacGyver Foundation, there's a nonfiction book, there's a 
new fiction book series, on and on and on. Um, I wanted to do one that would allow the family or the community to all experience it together at the same time. Okay, so the musicals seemed like a sort of great way to to recapture that thing about MacGyver, which is we could all dig this together, all right? And and then a, a good friend of mine who unfortunately has passed, but whose name is on every playbill and every copy of the script, her name is Melissa Havard. When I was chatting with her and I said, listen, I'm thinking about doing something with MacGyver as a musical. And she said, there's a show you got to see um, in which they cast the lead uh, of the show out of the audience in every performance. And uh, and if there was ever a show that was designed to do that, it should be MacGyver. So I, I went to see this other show, um, which, which was funny, but it wasn't a musical. Um, and I said, you're absolutely right. This is genius. This, this is the way to do this. We should cast the lead of the, the star of the show should be cast out of the audience in every performance. So that's where we started. That's awesome. Um, I also, I did tell my mom I would say this and my therapist, my therapist also told or told me to say this. They both, uh, so my mom was a teenager when the original show came out and so was my therapist and they both wanted me to tell you that they love the show. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, that's great. Um, and, uh, and, and God willing, it will come to some place near them and they will, they will get to not only see the show, but maybe one of them would like to be MacGyver because we've done now two, two productions of the musical. Um, and, and we've had just as many female. Mac- oh, you froze again. Uh, uh, internet went out. I'm going to finish that sentence to him. <laughs> We had we had MacGyvers of all genders and ages, um, male, female, non-binary, from nineteen hey. to MacGyvers, male MacGyvers. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's coming in bursts. <laughs> Getting us in stereo. Sorry, my my connection just keeps dropping out for mm. some reason. I sort of finished your sentence. Uh, yeah. but, Thank you. <laughs> um, I was just at from eighteen to eighty. I think is what I said. Um, <laughs> how, how old they were it was, uh, and it and it's it was, it was really cool actually. Yeah, we have we had one guy who had been a radio announcer like back in the seventies, and so he delivered every line like, "Of course, <laughs> I can fix that." <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just cracked up because he's That's true. like a radio announcer. <laughs> That again, awesome. Great. <laughs> um, it's really, oh, oh, sorry, sorry Nelson. <laughs> I was just going to say it's really interesting because, as someone who studied theater, you normally see like productions on stage, you see it in the round, but you never really see casting out of the audience. So I feel like that's really cool, yeah. especially for a show like MacGyver. Not only that, but during the course of the show, there's a sequence where the audience has to get up and on the stage and dance, you know, and then we throw a beer and bratwurst. Uh, internet went out again. Oh, goodness. Beer and bratwurst party, so I'm finishing that sentence. Um, <laughs> party later in the show, 
and we pull people out of the audience. This isn't the first time we've had internet troubles. <laughs> yeah. Although usually it's my, or on my end. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vermont, you know. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> no, we, have, we have sucky connection here. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably a little more, uh, more rural where you are. So. It used to be sorry, even more rural. Oh, you're oh. back, I think. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what the problem is, but we, we, we just seem to have a bum connection for some reason. Yeah, it's too bad. It, is. it could be they're working on the lines out there. Mm. Yeah, who knows? Um, well, just since I know what was heard, um, uh, we, you, you were starting to say how um, the audience gets up and dances and as part of you know when 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 the story comes has MacGyver being brought into a punk club for the big opening punk number too much future right. audience gets on stage and the and the place just comes alive it's really kind of astonishing so, and by the way when we say there's an audience in the lead that person is on stage from almost beginning to end and it is it's great and they love it I, I don't think anyone has said that you know that they didn't have a great time but it's you know they're really the lead of the show it's 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 quite a thing that's amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so i so my first question for you um for you guys is like what got you into doing this kind of work like writing for tv or uh writing musicals Peter, why don't you answer that? All right. Well, for me, um, I have I've been a musician since I. I mean, I. The story goes apparently that I learned to read notes before I learned to read words. I just always, you know, I played piano. I wanted to be a conductor for a while. I actually worked at an opera house in in Germany for three years right out of college. Came back, wanted to get in music for film. Through a of various connections, I got asked to try out for Nickelodeon's as the songwriter composer for Nickelodeon's first preschool show Eureka's Castle and I had actually uh, I hadn't written songs but I tried it I liked it I got the gig and everything else for me flowed from there I did uh, the Magic School Bus I did Gullah Gullah Island Bear in the Big Blue House um, Stanley Out of the Box a lot of Dora the Explorer anyway so I had and I'd always wanted to do musical but I'm the kind of person who needs an assignment. I don't ever wake up and saying, I'm going to write a song today. I, I wake up saying, I wonder if someone's going to pay me to write a song today. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's just how my creativity has flowed. But finally, circumstances combined to introduce me to Lee, and he had what I craved most, which was a fantastic idea and a set of assignments. So, you know, give me an assignment and I can write it, you know, and that's, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of what happened. As it happens, I always say my my experience as a songwriter it consists of hundreds of songs for dramatic situations. It's just as I say, many of them, too many of them were about sharing, and everything's better when you do it with friends. But uh, which turns out to be the moral of MacGyver the Musical as well. But um, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of so so in, a, in an odd way, my my career did actually prepare me for task of writing songs for dramatic situations in fact that is what i know how to do it's uh, i have much less experience with pop songwriting or mm. singer songwriter songwriting as it were <laughs> i 
I just realized that I grew up with your work then because yeah, my entire too. childhood was the magic school bus and Dora the Explorer and Nickelodeon. Yeah. Well, and you, well you God brought, bless you. That's all I can say. <laughs> yes. You brought up Gola Gola Island. That was my childhood. Ah, very nice. <laughs> Still friends with Ron and Natalie. They're the greatest. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. But back to MacGyver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, what gave you the idea for the the original uh, TV show? Well, yeah, that's a that's a rather involved story. So, so you can someone and I've written it all out because I get that question a lot. Um, so if you go to MacGyver.com and dig around a little, you can find the origin story. Um, you can also find lots of stuff about the musical on MacGyver.com, like, you know, that it's said in 1989 in East Berlin, and that what history doesn't know is that MacGyver was responsible for bringing down the Berlin Wall, you know, and stuff like that. But, um, uh, but the short answer is I was hired to write a pilot, and they had a concept which they said had never been done before. I said, great, that sounds exciting. And then when the deal was made, I got in a room and they told me what the concept was. And I asked a couple of questions and then I had the unfortunate job of saying to them, well, there's a reason it's never been done before. And they said, what's that? I said, this is not going to work. <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, well, it sounds good when you say it, but you know, I'm the guy that actually has to do it. And I can explain to you why, for a variety of reasons, this is not going to fly. And so then they said, okay, well, we're not going to unhire you. We're not going to unsell it. So you got to find a way to fix it. And, and there began a saga which ultimately ended with uh, the creation of MacGyver because like MacGyver, I was suddenly stuck in a deal and I couldn't get out of it. And I said, okay, I got to find a, a, a guy and, and something and who this guy is and what this guy does that's going to get me out of this deal. And that was MacGyver. <laughs> so, so the character was very much in keeping with the situation that created. <laughs> yeah, although the, although the episode where MacGyver gets out of his contract, we haven't seen that, have we? No, we haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Using just just duct tape and, and, and his pocket knife, he takes yeah. it out of mind. That's <laughs> That, I, again, I, I love that. <laughs> because, like... Yes. It, it's almost kind of relatable. <laughs> yeah, listen, I yeah. Mean, who of us hasn't been stuck in a situation where you go, how am I going to get out of this situation? And it turned out that we literally MacGyvered my way out of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom actually, she, she said that um, the term MacGyver is like one of her favorites, which surprising how 23 years of life or nearly 23 years of life later i still don't know, didn't know that until recently <laughs> about her <laughs> but she's like yeah. i i use that all the time <laughs> like i didn't realize it was about a show though mom <laughs> oh that's really funny well that's amazing i mean that's like that's so cool yeah uh nelly do you have any more questions <laughs> Yes, okay. So, from the creation of the idea of MacGyver, how long did it take for, take you to get MacGyver done as a process? Like, how long did it get till you created the show off the idea? How was casting like? How did you go from taking the idea 
and putting it into the real world? Ah, well, once once I had the idea for MacGyver because there, there was, as I say, they started with this concept and then I tried to, I had to find a way to fix the concept and, and, and I made several failed attempts. Once I had the idea for MacGyver and the network said, oh, we like that, I, I wrote it as fast as I possibly could because I didn't want anybody to change their mind. And literally within, you know, uh, weeks of, of submitting it to the network, I was told they're making the show. So it was, it, it took a while to get to MacGyver, but once once I had found MacGyver, so to speak, and, and put it into pilot form, it, it didn't take very long before we were, you know, making the show. So, because um, I think, you know, it came out in September of, of 85 and I'm guessing I started you know sometime in early 85 um, with the deal and the, and the process and all that stuff so so it, they made it pretty quickly once once everybody saw what I was doing and got on board it was it moved pretty fast from there so yeah um, I want to mention something I want to mention a fun a fun fact a sort of cosmic connection so, you know, we just put out this album. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it, but um, on, it's on Spotify. And um, we, we discovered, or Lee discovered, that the, one of the stars of the MacGyver, CBS MacGyver reboot, Tristan Mays, um, was a, a really excellent singer. So she sings Too Much Future on the album. And when I was going to meet meet her mind or rehearse the song with her I did a little googly and I realized that was the second song of mine she had sung because she was the second Shana on Gullah Gullah Island as a little kid no so way. and I said to her I said you know we have this weird connection and she said that's why I know your name what was interesting I was on on the show for the first two years and then I moved on to other things but someone took over but I still wrote songs for it I said, did you happen to sing a song of mine called Right Size After All? And she said, I just found out last night and she sent me a clip. So there's this weird connection from the various oh, parts of our That's our so lives. cool, though. That's yeah, so that cool. was cool. It was very cool. That adorable little girl grew up into a stunning, stunning beauty um, and a pretty great singer. So That's great. Yeah. That, Yeah. <laughs> Stole the words right out of my mouth, though, Nels. <laughs> so, um, my next question is actually one that I'm genuinely curious about because I am an aspiring uh, playwright. I want to write musicals myself. Uh, and I'm currently writing one for fun uh, based off the Outlander series. <laughs> uh, and... If you could give any advice to uh, somebody who would want to write musicals based off shows, what would that advice be? Well, number one, um, make sure you can get the rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, yes. <laughs> Say, yeah, you don't own this, what they call underlying material. So if you don't own the underlying material, don't don't write the show for it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta make sure that because you know we have copyright laws um, uh, in this country, if not around the world. So that's number one. Um, you know, and, and number two, uh, let's assume you love a show and you can get 
get the rights and say to somebody, okay, I want to write a musical based on this show, uh, or maybe, you know, you write an outline or a song or two in order to impress them that you're the person who can create the musical. But um, really the, the challenge is to ask yourself, what is kind of the essence of the show? What made the show work? What made it a success? You know, and and then and then find a way in, in in what you're doing to sort of really lean into that. So you're sort of capturing the, you know, what 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 that show was really about. So obviously, in the case of MacGyver, he was inventive and resourceful, and you know, was constantly put into situations where. He had nothing, and he still had to figure his way out. We went great. Let's cast somebody out of the audience, and they're going to be in exactly that situation. <laughs> they have nothing, okay? They don't know what's going to happen, and they just have to figure out their way through it. So, you know, um, but that that would be my advice if, if that's what you want to do. Um, to that, I will add uh, a couple of things. Um, it's really important when you're when you're looking to adapt an original uh, project, not to think that you're just going to be able to basically say, write the script and add songs. Because the script is something that's completed itself. And I've seen so many musicals where the songs are just a recounting of what just happened in the scene. And I'm sort of looking at my watch saying, I know all this, you know. Um, mm -hmm. what, is so, what is such genius about this approach, and I can say that because wasn't my idea the whole MacGyver thing is that it immediately having MacGyver cast out of the audience and reading other lines off cue cards including by the way making up the melody for an entire song um, it immediately brings an element of playfulness to the show which could easily de degenerate into spoof and spoof is fine if that's what you want to do but my point is you have to decide are you just doing a straight send-up of a show which doesn't allow for much emotional range. Are you, um, are, are you, are, are you doing a version of the show that's very faithful to the look and feel, but adds a different musical dimension, or are you doing something like we did, which is really basically take the underlying concepts. I always say it's not a parody. It's a playful, loving tribute to the principles underlying the TV show. There's actually, even though, you know, there's duct tape. We mentioned the pocket knife. MacGyver solves various things using, you know, brings nothing but makes solutions. It is in no way a frame by frame uh, take off on the show. It really isn't. It's it's its own animal, and that's the thing. You have to, uh, you know, music theater has a logic that's very different from movies and very different from uh, from TV. So you have to, you know, you have to find what it is that makes this want to be a musical. Yeah, I, 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 to echo Peter, the show is a lot of fun, and our goal was for people to have a lot of fun. But it's not a spoof, and it's and and there and and it turns out that 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 the audience comes out of this feeling more inspired than almost anything else. Even though our initial goal was just to for everybody to have a fun experience. Okay. And there are, you know, we didn't, we're not doing theater's message and 
we're going to tell you what's wrong with the world and why it's all your fault and everything else. It's like there's a lot of that in the theater world right now. We said, no, we just want to, we just really want everybody to have a good time. And it turned out that there were messages in there and there was something deeper going on and it really inspired people. And that was that was a great discovery for us. As a, as a fun addendum to what Lee just said, there is literally a bonus track on the album called All Your Fault, um, which, which was actually a song in the show, but it wasn't It wasn't a societal thing. It was the characters blaming each other for, for, a, for, for a pickle they had gotten into. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, we don't hammer you over the head, but we hope we touch on some universal feelings and emotions and, you know, and it's, it's a set, it's an, it's an, op, it's a very optimistic show very uh you know we try for uplift um so first thank you for giving the advice piece i feel because like our uh podcast is very like um theater based obviously it's um but also like i this makes me want to call my mom after and be like okay Give me the give me the info for your account so I can go stream this. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know which because this is making me like okay maybe my or teenage the teenage version of my mother had a had something going on that she like she got something right here. <laughs> well, obviously she did. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll say that. What else can we tell you, with ladies? Um. But I think I'm going to piggyback off of what you guys were just talking about, where you were talking about how you took MacGyver and you didn't necessarily do everything that the show had. I was going to ask, how did you decide to take the show from the episodic format that it is in the MacGyver TV show and turn it into the story and the songs that you have at the musical? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I wish I thought of that. <laughs> Well, um, so in one sense, the the story of the show is kind of like an episode of MacGyver, um, but but clearly by by making it a very interactive experience, you know, uh, putting an audience member in the lead um, and adding music, you know, a musical is kind of sort of an emotional journey, all right, and so you know rather than um, having just moments of drama when 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 that emotional uh, thrust becomes uh, strong in a scene then we know it's time for a song this is where we should have a song and then you know we would sit with Peter and say okay we need a song here and Peter's first thing would say is well what's the song about what's happening in the scene show me the scene because without the scene I don't know what to do with the song and so we would then work on the scene and say Here's, here's what this we think this moment is about. And then he would start kind of looking for the, the hook for himself, the sort of musical hook. And it's like, is it this kind of song or is it that kind of a song? So we would kick that around and then, and then at a certain point he'd go, okay, let me go away and let me try something and I'll come back to you with, with the demo. And, and then we'd all listen to it and, and you know, we'd, we'd love it, we'd hate it, say we like this but this needs to change and it was a very collaborative process so that was kind of that was kind of how it worked 
there's many things that come together in the writing of a song for music theater. It's a it's a tricky thing because you wanna. I always say that any song of mine that I think has value, there is something where I don't know where it came from, and that's that's what you call inspiration. And I'm not claiming my inspiration is on the level of the greats, but but there has to be something that happens to you. And the tricky thing with music theater is you don't want to have it happen too soon because you can fall in love with an idea that came to you that actually isn't quite right for the scene. And that has certainly it happened on this project, certainly, and it has certainly happened to me uh, on more than one occasion. And then it's like, oh, God, now I have to find another inspiration. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to kind of, you have to keep balls in the air, emotional balls in the air, and story balls in the air until until and then you think oh, i'm not going to get it and then you're walking you're walking one day thinking about something else an idea comes to you and you're like okay that's how they come together you know um and when you're lucky that happens when you're not you just get very sad <laughs> <laughs> as a uh, singer songwriter myself i can i can completely agree with that <laughs> <laughs> But you have to have the courage to wait because if you if you dive in without inspiration, you're gonna you're not gonna like the result, and that's when you really start to say, "What am I doing here?" You know, you gotta you got you gotta have faith that that something is gonna come to you. You know, and and also in a funny way, you have to you're writing something, okay? You're creating something, and what you really have to do is kind of surrender yourself to it so it's not what I want it to be what does it want to be and how do I serve it as opposed to thinking it's there to serve me okay and when you when you kind of throw your hands up and go I don't know what to do I give up I mean it's like I who knows what this thing is supposed to be and then as Peter says you know you're taking a shower or you're going for a drive or you're going for a walk and it's like boom oh of course that's what it needs to be it's not about me Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting since you say you're a singer songwriter i have seen you know uh, that is the biggest issue i see when i see a musical that's by a singer songwriter someone whose experience was you know more pop songs than mm-hmm. music theater is that i can is they're used to sort of following their lyric inspiration where it goes i have an interesting you know for all i i have been hard on myself over the years for not doing that kind of writing literally what lee is talking about is what i've done my whole career and that is what i know how to do um submerge myself into what a project needs you know um and there there are there are some successful musicals you know which i won't name that where i feel like yeah they don't get the music theater thing Mm -hmm. you know um they're they're perfectly good songwriters but give me one sec i gotta go put him back he's starting to chew on things (laughs) oh wait oh that's a real dog Oh, no, it, it's a guinea pig, actually. Oh, look at him. He, he's starting to chew on the uh, on my charger, right. so I got to go put him back oh, real quick. I can still hear you guys, though. <laughs> very bad. You can have a very shocked guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, that, that started real fast. That was... <laughs> he huh. went from chill yeah, to they're done, they're done. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, I'm so sorry about that. No worries. No worries. <laughs> what else would you like to know? <laughs> um, 
I kind of had a a response to what you were saying about the musicals by singer songwriters. Um, I, I don't, so I actually started right, uh, doing singer songwriter stuff after I got really into like writing musical theater show or like showy songs, more like musical theater songs. And it just turned out that I, (laughs) I was writing more of a singer songwriter genre, which, but that's great. yeah, no, that's great. It's there, there's, and, and when there's a story that, um, you know, Billy Joel as a pop songwriter is an incredibly specific, you know, his lyrics are very, are much, much more elegantly on point and less elusive, you know, you know, they're, they're, they have a very literal line you can follow through, almost like a music theater song. And there's a story that that um, that Paul Simon sent in the days when the Oxford English Dictionary was like, you know, 20 volumes or something. Sent him a complete set of the Oxford English Dictionary with, with a, a note saying, be less literal. <laughs> so, so, but the thing is, in music theater, you have to be incredibly specific, but still elegant and poetic and still conversational. So it's really bringing together and you have to be at times witty without it seeming, you know, like something you wouldn't say conversationally, you know. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's it it requires similar talents, but it's, you know, and I would just encourage you to enter fully into the world of whatever you're trying to do if it's. If it's singer-songwriting, let yourself make a little less sense. If you're if it's music theater, it has to make sense, but it can't just make sense because then you're you're doing what I'm call, I call setting the subtext, which is like you know, I'm feeling sad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not a music theater line. A line that makes that conveys your feelings <laughs> and makes people feel sad. That's a that's a music theater line, right? So that's yeah. that, that's what I would say about that. <laughs> Something. Um, so we've both listened to the cast recording, and or at least we started to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I love it. I love it. Something. Something that I've noticed from what I've listened to. There is definitely an '80s inspiration, but some of the songs I felt like the opening number, for example, I felt some inspiration from Brent in it. So I was. I pointed that out to there... you, Nelly. <laughs> well, I also noticed it, but. I was wondering if there was any musicals that you may have looked at for inspiration for MacGyver. You know, I, I've, I've, uh, the 80s thing is really the only, there are two directives um, for this show. Uh, one is 80s sensibility for, you know, the non-punk numbers and punk sensibility for the punk numbers. So the story uh, without getting into a lot of detail, it's set in East Berlin before before the fall of the Berlin, the Berlin Wall, when East when Germany was divided into communist East Germany and West Germany. And Berlin was I don't know how much history you, you folks know, but Berlin was a divided city deep in the heart of communist East Germany. It was and I went there when it was still divided. It was a very bizarre experience. There was a there was a uh, viciously repressed um, punk movement. Uh, underground punk movement that actually played a significant part in the 
in the ultimately rather peaceful fall of the Berlin Wall. If you listen to East German punk, it's kind of unlistenable shouting. Um, so I, I took it more in a Green Day direction, you know, for the punk stuff. So I would say 80s, um, as it happens, I was a classically trained musician. I joined a wedding band in the 80s to give myself a crash course in pop style. So the 80s is really an era that I kind of know in my bones. So I would say that um, really that, the, you know, in terms of specific inspiration, I'd say Green Day, uh, American Idiot would be closer to, for the punk numbers. And then there's really a very wide variety in the album for the, for the more uh, anthem numbers. It's really sort of 80s arena rock kind of stuff. And, and then there's even opera and traditional music theater and German cabaret. There's a lot of stuff in there. So... So listen to the rest of the album. That's what I would suggest. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to have a lot of downtime starting Thursday, getting a new tattoo, and I'm not allowed to really do much because... <laughs> so... There you go. That's great. That's great. That is something I will never be able to say that I'm getting a tattoo, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, it's going to be my fifth tattoo, so... Oh, okay. Well, God bless you. <laughs> All right, anything else? Um, sorry, i got to yell at my guinea pig real quick. Lear, uh-uh. Just chewing if on my vacuum back, over there. If he yells back, then you really, <laughs> really got to start wondering what's going on. That's what <laughs> yes. Oh, That's yeah. Right. I've, mm. He, uh, he never listens. He's annoying. <laughs> um, In his defense, I point out that he's a guinea pig. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought they were supposed to be nocturnal. <laughs> um, I had a question, and then he started being annoying again. Uh, Nellie, take over for a second. I'm trying to think okay. of my question. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing that you learned from the MacGyver experience that you will carry with you? Well, I guess... When you, when you do a production, you want everything to be perfect. You want every, you know, you want control. And by definition, this show, you got to really let that go. Because with a, with a, you know, with a total novice as the star of the show, control is just not something you're going to have. And so, and so learning to, in a sense relinquish control in some way made it a more delicious experience both for the audience and for us so rather than trying to always control everything so that it's exactly the way you think it should be and it's perfect doesn't necessarily always get you where you want to go and so letting go you know when and believe me peter Peter is a control freak. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. So when Peter goes, but well, what's going to happen if it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what? It'll be great. And all of the Peter watched the show and said, I don't know if this thing with the audience member being MacGyver, I just don't know. And then he came back to me and he went, you know, it's great. <laughs> Give up control. So, so well, that's what we learned. Yeah, 
because I spent my, you know, my whole career in the studio, as I say, as the, as, as the uh, totalitarian ruler of my ones and zeros, um, you know, digital audio. It was mind blowing to learn what it takes to go from that mindset to live theater, where you really, you know, I, I, I do very elaborate demos and I do a million vocal parts and stuff. And what I discovered in the rehearsal periods, there was tons of revision. Be like, take that out, take that out. In the studio where you can adjust every single vocal to be the right volume, you can do that. But on, in a live show where the sound mix is not necessarily ideal or very far from ideal, which many sound mixes are, you got to clear, clear, clear so that what really counts in the song comes through. You simplify, you make it, you know, and there's stuff that is easy for me to simulate guitar on my keyboard that didn't really work for guitar. So it was a lot of, you know, a lot of just re realigning aesthetic values. Um, and all of them were towards greater simplicity and less obsessive control over stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, and, and the chance to learn as much as I was able to learn at my age has been really a, a blessing, I have to say, in many different ways, so. As a fellow control freak, yeah, <laughs> glad same. to know that I can, I can eventually get over it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. I don't know that you get over it, but you learn how to make it your friend and to not mm. control you. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Because... Because my meticulousness is 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 also meticulousness is also your friend. It's when it takes over and blots out everything else that you mm. that that it's time to step back. You know? Yeah. So. I'm still trying to remember that question that I had because I really wanted to ask it, and now it's just <laughs> like it's there, but it's not there. <laughs> um. Crap, Nellie, do you have any more questions while I continue yeah. to think of this? Well, you keep thinking. Yeah, so I was wondering with the randomness of how MacGyver's chosen every night, how did you go about doing that with the cast recording? Because normally in the cast recording, there's an actor that plays the lead who just sings it all the way through. Did right. you guys put anything into the randomness of MacGyver for the cast recording? So what, what we did actually was we ran a, a nationwide contest on Broadway World for who was going to get to play MacGyver on the album. I mean, we just did it. We cast it out of the audience. Same thing. Now, obviously, they, you know, they had some rehearsal time and, and you know, it wasn't quite on the fly, but, but we ended up, you know, with this person who was a singer, songwriter, musician named R.J. Christian. Who did a phenomenal job on the album, you know? But it was sort of like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna open the doors on this too because why not? You know, it's it was sort of seemed in keeping with the spirit of the show. So so uh, so we do obviously have somebody to play MacGyver's part, but there isn't a lot of MacGyver singing, obviously, because because you know when we do this live, you can't throw somebody into a situation who has no idea what they're about to do and say, start singing a song. It was something we talked a lot about because um, the biggest difference between the way, so this song is called You've Got You, um, and it's MacGyver inspiring this punk band members to say 
you don't need we don't need to call on the army we can do this ourselves or what we have and it turns into a big dance thing it's really tons of fun the biggest difference is when we when it's performed live we have to build in vamps for the band because it's impossible to predict the timing so we did i will say the concession for the album was that um rj did conform to regular musical timings but we gave him we gave him latitude on the melody you know uh, just like in the in the show so yeah. and he's a phenomenal singer and just one of the sweetest people and he totally got the spirit of what we wanted of what the show is about so anyway Oh, that's great. That's that's awesome. And I finally remembered my question. <laughs> so this question was inspired by my mom telling me or when I called her because I was like, oh, my God, we have some pretty cool people coming on. Um, like, have you ever heard of this? <laughs> like when I called her and told her and she was like, oh, yeah, you've heard me use the uh, the word MacGyver before. <sighs> How does it feel that that is a household like term, not just like a title, but like a term that a lot of like I don't know how many other people use this term, but I know that at least my mom uses it all oh, the time. Well, listen, I just wish I had a nickel for every time everybody. Said that. <laughs> <laughs> we got a MacGyver this because <laughs> I'd be up there with Elon Musk or something. <laughs> so, so look. One doesn't set out to say, I'm going to add a word to the dictionary, you know. You just you just do what you try to do uh, in, in the hopes that it works. And kind of the way I think about the whole MacGyver phenomenon, because, you know, it was sold in 70 countries. I mean, it's this thing is a global mem. You know, the Oxford English Dictionary in 2015 put do MacGyver in as a verb, okay? So pretty much in every dictionary now, it's there. All right. So, so the way I look at it is, you know, I created this thing. Uh, it's like you give birth to a child. The child grows up and does something wonderful. Are you proud of the child? Of course you are. But it's not what I did. It's what they did. Okay. So there were writers and producers and directors and actors and Richard Dean Anderson who made that series, you know, what it was. Okay. Did I give him the blueprint? Yes. All right. But did I do it? No, I didn't do it. You know, they did it. And then the truth is the world did it because people embraced this character, you know, to their hearts all around the world and said, we love MacGyver. And you go, okay, so I didn't make MacGyver a global phenomenon. You did, you know, and, and that's the way I look at it. It's like, okay, the kid did something great. Am I proud? (laughs) But it's, it's not me. You know, I just, I just kind of, I put the DNA there, right? Great. I tried not to screw it up, you know? Great. After that, look, look at what happened, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how I think about it. Cool. And then I have another question uh, for both of you. Uh, What are your writing processes like? Go ahead, Peter. Why don't you take that? Um, All right. Well, in terms of a musical, uh, I or or TV show, um, I always because the process is really very similar. Um, you know, I will say I I need to see at least an outline um, with a song in place, and I'll very often say, you know, that's not 
where the song should go or, or like if we just that's not that that moment isn't really what you want to sing because it's a, like a little bit we already know what the song you know if you want this to be the song then we have to get rid of this dialogue because the dialogue gives away what the song is going to do so i'm very deeply involved at the in the definition of the song moment um exactly how it is um, framed within the story because that is 90% of the battle if I really know what the song moment is if I really deeply understand it I can write the song they may not it may and I can write a song that I know will works and that I that will work and that uh, I will feel comfortable handing in it may not be the most mind-blowing song ever but that's so for me the biggest part of the work is at that stage then I have always been someone who did very, very elaborate demos where I simulate all the instruments in the uh, in the band and I sing all the vocal parts myself and and you know edit it and make it sound almost you know like a finished product because as shall we say a meticulous person the thought that someone could reject a song because I didn't spend enough time conveying what I really wanted was is is a very painful thought to me um, so. So the, and then, then I'll submit. As Lee said, I'll will send the demo to whoever needs to hear it. I'll get back comments. You know, this is nice song, but it's not really the right song. It's not. You know, I like it up to here, but then after this, it just doesn't do much for me, or it's isn't quite right. And then I'll go back and revise it. Sometimes I'll throw it out, start over. Not all that often, but it does happen plenty. Um, otherwise, I'll revise and say, oh yeah, I see exactly what you mean, and and go go back again until we have it so my process is best uh, so if you go to the macgyver.com website i i wrote a non-fiction book called the macgyver secret connect to your inner macgyver and solve anything and and that really grew out of my creative process which is it turns out what i call your inner macgyver or your subconscious is really the creative part of you and the and your conscious mind, believe it or not, does more to get in the way. Um, and so what I do is, is I have my conscious mind ask a question. I write it down. I have whiteboards. I write it on my whiteboard. And it's like, what is this character really about? What is this story really about? What is Whatever it is. And then I go away and I do something else. And I don't think about it. I just actively don't think about it. And then I come back, you know, Sometime later, usually a set time, could be an hour, could be a few hours, could be a half hour. These days, I've been doing this particular process for so long now that if I ask a question and go do something else, 10 minutes later, the answer's there, okay? And so what do you do is you come back and you just start writing anything. You know, this is what I had for lunch. This is the, the words to the Star Spangled Banner. It doesn't really matter what you write. You literally just start the act of writing, and, and the answers will just flow out of Okay, and so, oh, this is what the scene is about. Oh, this is what the character's coming from. Oh, this is what happened in their past. Oh, and then, and so I do that when I outline a story, and then I do that again when, I, when I'm writing the, the script itself. And so the process is, believe it or not, getting my conscious mind out of the way as much as possible. The conscious mind is there to ask the questions, and to evaluate the answers, but it doesn't really do any creative work at all because it sucks at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is one of the 
best writing processes I've ever heard yes. anyone ever that like dang <laughs> yeah. well, and, is, if you go to the page at the MacGyver, uh, on MacGyver.com and find the secret there is a free quick start guide like a 10 page quick start guide of how to use this process you know you don't even have to buy the book I don't <laughs> you know but it, it's I, I advise it for people who a have to solve problems all the time, or for writers, particularly if a writer hits a writer's block. I go, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. That's because your conscious mind keeps getting in the way, and it's not allowing your subconscious mind to let you see what what's really going on. So, so you just follow these incredibly simple steps. Write the question down, turn it over to your subconscious, go do something else. Don't think about it. Come back, and the answer will be there for you and every time. So. Well, dang. Looks like I got to yeah. go do some research now. <laughs> As I get author, writer's block like every other day. Yeah. There you go. As an author, I love the ability to just keep your, get your mind free, and then the answers come. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Well, the truth is you can have that on demand. Okay. Yes. I mean, when I was developing this and I stumbled on this method, I would, you know, I would lock myself in my office. I'm working on a TV show. They'd come to me and they'd say, "Hey, Lee, what? The network just threw out the outline. They hated it. We need, we need something like immediately." Okay. And so, rather than panic, I would just use this process. And it would typically take a writer anywhere from eight to ten days to break a story, okay? And I'd go into my office, and I would do this. I would build models, you know, literally. I'd build paper models, you know, like build the Empire State Building out of paper. I built every model they had, not because I needed those models. I gave them to my kids and trash them, you know, <laughs> because doing those stupid models was exactly the right activity to not think about the story, okay? And so I would do this for, you know, Eight hours, all right? Six and a half hours of which I spent making that dumb model. An hour and a half of which I was at the board. But by the end of the day, I had an entire story laid out, scene by scene. And I'd bring in, i either type it up or I'd bring in the executive producer and say, here's the story. Scene one, scene two, scene three, scene three, and they go, oh my God, how did you do this? <laughs> one day, and I'd say, I just didn't think about it. They go, what? Write it up. Send it to the network. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. And it looks like we are running out of time. Um, I don't have Google Meet Premium, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, but thank you guys so much yes. for You're coming on. This was amazing. Um, and, uh, one, one thing I want to mention, because I didn't say it earlier, when you were talking about the popularity of MacGyver, um, two weeks ago, I was at the State Thespian Festival, and I went to this 80s, 90s restaurant, and there was a MacGyver burger. Ah, nice. Yes. <laughs> so he's now a consumable. I love that. Yes. Well, thank you, guys. Thank uh, you. That's was a lot fun. of fun. Let us know whenever the podcast is going to go up or, or be released, and, uh, and look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Uh, we It goes up on... Uh, Apple Podcasts every, or not every Sunday, but on Sundays. Oh, so. Cool. so, yes, Great. and Spotify. 
Thank and you so much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Okay, thank you guys so thank much you. for joining us. Uh, this, I'm honestly very excited to uh, go watch the show now, actually. Yes. Um, it's so surreal. I, I need to actually call my mom and get that information for yeah. the streaming service. Be like, hey, I know you have this. It's probably on soap today. <laughs> oh, probably. Probably, yeah. Let's check that first. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, And yeah, stay safe. Have a wonderful week. We love you. Peace. Okay, peace. I used to run, camp in the backyard. In the sun, we couldn't wait to grow up Man, we were young, all of the crazy things we thought we'd become We were so young Before mom and dad went gray, before my friends moved away I never thought I'd feel this way, but I do